Um, I want to speak this morning on uh, the title of the message. I call it Joy in Every Season. Joy in Every Season. You know, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is what's going to be our strength. Yes. Uh, and, and there are times in life that we need more strength than others. Sometimes we feel really good. We feel like, man, we can, give me a month and I'll take it. You know, if you feel like Caleb, who's 80 years old, and he still has so much fire, and he's so pumped up, and he's like, hey, what are you doing getting afraid here? I still want what God had promised me 40 years ago when I was 40. I remember the word is as clear in my heart. The fire is just burning in my spirit as it was back then. You give me the mountain. Sometimes you feel like Caleb. But sometimes you feel like the prophet who heard some woman say, I'm going to kill you. And he runs away and says, oh my goodness, Lord, I'm the only guy in this life that serves you. And here I am, they're about to kill me. How many know that sometimes life has its highs and its lows? Yes. But, but, but as believers, the Lord promises that he can fill our hearts with joy at, in every season. Now sometimes that is a very hard thing for non-believers to understand because there are sometimes that life throws at you things that don't, they're not laughing matters. They're not smiling matters. They're not good matters. You're like, I can't even begin to explain what's going on. But, but the law says that even in those moments and in those seasons, it's the joy of the Lord within your soul that's going to strengthen you. Yes. Now, I, I, I want to read Psalm 42. Psalm 42 is a very interesting psalm. I'm going to try to read all of it. It's not that long. And even if it was, it's all right. We love reading the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Psalm, read, read along with me. Psalm 42. It says, As the deer longs for the streams of water, so my soul longs for you, O God. I thirst for you, God, the living God. Oh, yeah, when can I go and stand before him? Day and night, I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is your God? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I, walk, I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading great processions to the house of the Lord, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I'm deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Even from the distance Mount Hymon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Misa, I hear the tumult of raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. Oh God, my rock, I cry. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their tongue breaks my, bone, my bones. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Lord, we thank you for your word. You said that the entrance of your word brings life. And God, that it would not, we ask today that your word will not return void, but have it accomplished in each one of our lives, the purpose for which you sent it. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. 
Psalm 42, in fact, if you were to read 43, it's almost a continuation of the same prayer. And so, so and, the, and the psalmist here, and um, is, you can see uh, conflict going in within his spirit. He's a man, obviously, who has put his faith in God. He's a man who's obviously uh, decided to serve the Lord. And he finds himself in a place of shame, embarrassment, because he finds himself, who knows what the condition might have been or what his particular situation was, but he's feeling the outsiders. I don't know if they're saying it in his face. And you know how sometimes it could be in a room, it could be at work, it could be within a family, or just on the street. You know they're talking. They're saying something. They don't have to say it out loud, but you can feel it. You know what they're thinking already. And they think, here's the guy who brags about the goodness of God. We saw him on Sunday singing, oh, he's so good. What was that song? Yeah. But then in this situation, they ask, where is this God of yours? Why isn't he helping you out in your sickness? Why isn't he helping you out with your cares? Why isn't he showing up on your finances? Oh, you got, you, have, you got a job and you lost it in a minute? Where was your God? And that is causing more trouble in his soul when he thinks about the non-believers. You know what I'm talking about? And you know, let me say this. What Satan wants to do in those situations, the most effective thing that he can do in our lives. He could care less about anything else. As long as he can, as long as he attains our ability to be a witness for the Lord. He could care less what else you do, what victories you have. If believers have an inability to become witnesses for the Lord, if he can shut your mouth down, if he can keep you Discouraged to where you are not being the light that you ought to be. He's alright. Because anything in our lives, the only possession we have, you and I have, that has eternal significance is our soul. And think about this. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And he says, and you shall be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the utmost part of the, of the world. Let me make that simple. God gives us his Holy Spirit so that we can be effective witnesses for Christ. Because what Jesus was doing back in his day Going about, as the Bible says, doing good and healing all those who are oppressed by the enemy because God was with him. Jesus was limited to the geographical location that he was. He was limited to the time that he lived in. But he's putting his spirit in us so that he can multiply his work through you and I everywhere we go. There are places that you and I will encounter this week and we'll be the only Jesus that has shown up in that place. So Satan wants to bring our fear and discouragement. He wants us to, to lose our joy. So that we lose our confidence. 
and thereby becoming ineffective witnesses. There is a coalition. There is a connection here. You see, it says that where the presence of the Lord is, there is freedom. He says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, he says that there is joy. Here's what the Bible says, that there is joy. There is fullness of joy in his presence. So his Spirit brings fullness of joy. Fullness of joy even in spite of our circumstance. And we see the psalmist here. He knows this truth. But he's in a bad place himself. But he continually encourages himself and reminds himself of the goodness of the Lord. He says, yet I will praise him. Think, listen. He goes on and says, boy, I am so, I'm not really feeling it right now. Things are not good. I can't see the end from the beginning. I'm in a dark place right now. But he's speaking prophetically to himself. He says, yet I will praise him. Yes, I will praise him. Yet I will give him praise. I will sing again. And he's talking back and he's reflecting, reminiscing on the good old times. He says, boy, wasn't it awesome back in the day? It was so cool. I was among the leaders that went. The pilgrimage, you know, the Israelites, what they did in the bigger uh, feast and the bigger holidays like Pentecost. If you could do it, you make it back to Jerusalem to celebrate at the temple. And he says, I was among the people. I was right in the middle of the game. Not a, a, a spectator. I was right in the middle of it. Praising God. We had so much fun. We had so much joy. Celebration and all that. Man, boy, those were good old times. And you know, sometimes we live in the past. And I'm not talking only spiritually. When you feel like, oh, that was, those were the Hades. Some people never live in the now. They lose what God's doing in the present because they feel like in the past it, things were always better. And yet God has you living, kicking, breathing right now because he still has purpose inside of your life and you haven't seen your best days yet because with God... Nothing is impossible. He said, I lost it all. No, you didn't. The good old days are now. The good old days are now. We can reach for his presence. I love his attitude. The attitude of his heart. The attitude of his mind. Um, um, even though really not much is told about what the suffering might have been. But every one of us can relate, I believe. <laughs> I guess if you can't relate, God bless you. Stay after the service. I really need your prayers. But each one, each one of us probably have come from time to time in our lives when we feel like God is at a distance. Maybe we question ourselves. Maybe we wonder why things are the way they are. And, and, and uh, you pray and you pray and, 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 you, and you wait and maybe nothing happens. And, and, and those moments can be discouraging for some. And some people lose their faith in those dark places where we find where they exist. They know the truth and so they can recite the right phrases. But they lose that joy, that fire, that desire 
for more of God. Psalm 51 is a prayer of David. And he's praying after a really big fall in his life. He had made some of the, the mistakes he had made. I'm not even going to dig into that. It's one of those that is like just a dagger in his life and thinking, okay, I'm finished. They all think of me this much. I can't even face everybody because now everyone knows what I'm about. And he still maintains a very repetitive hurt and a desire. And one of the prayers, and one of the phrases that he prays, he contends with God for mercy and forgiveness and restoration. But one of the prayers and the lines that he makes, he says, God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Do not cast me away from your presence, but restore to me the joy of your salvation because he knows that when that spark that joy of the Lord that peel if you would that dose of God's joy in your spirit is enough to propel you from, from your darkest place uh, if you have the joy of the Lord just a breath of his presence in your life can turn it around he's praying a lot of things he needs a lot of things in his life but he's saying this one thing God Restore it. I don't want to be, be saved because I have intellectual agreement with the word. But I want to feel that spark inside of my spirit. Now there are times you won't feel that spark. We rely on God's word and depend on it. But I got to tell you, we need that fire inside of our soul. We need that fire that is a deposit of the Holy Spirit inside of our soul. You can lose, if you lose, it could be many different things. You know, I, when I think about, even in my own life as a believer, there are times that I've had dry seasons. I'm like, you pray and you cry and you think and you, and you just feel like nothing is connecting. How many know what they're saying? It's like, I'm going to try, like, you know, I'm going to wake up now at 5.30 in the morning and pray. Oh, well, I'll make it four. I'm going to be more spiritual. You get in your bed and out of your bed and you're seeking and you're praying. And, and there's not, you feel like your, your prayers are hitting the wall. You read the Bible, it feels like lifting weights, you know? Have you ever worked out when you haven't worked out in a long time? You show up at the gym and you're like, yeah, I'm back, you know? And you load up those weights where you know, or you should, or you could, or back in the day. <coughs> and then you look around, if, is anyone watching here? <coughs> Nothing, right? And now you just embarrassed yourself. And the young kid that's 18 years old just showing up here. <laughs> like, seriously. You should have met me 20 years ago. I promise. <laughs> and the kid's like, geez, I wasn't even alive 20 years ago, so I, I don't believe you. <laughs> And sometimes even our prayer life is like that, where you've been so dry for so long, 
and you're trying to conquer mountains. The pastor preached and he inspired me to go pray. I was like, now I'm going to pray for three hours every day. And you go in and you get one of those. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing there. I'm going to walk back to the basics. You know what I found about Christian life? And I walk with the Lord. And I, and I see it as a pattern. The most powerful things in the kingdom of God are so simple. They're the simplest things ever. It's not like the most complicated. You need a double doctorate in theology to coach you in it. Because God's not like that. You see, God has to put the most important things, the most vital things in our faith. So easy to reach that the least of us can attain it. And sometimes we get muddled up in complications. And our intellectual understanding of every point and every revelation that we miss on the simple things of God. And Jesus puts it this way for us. He says, if you want the kingdom of God, I want you to look at little kids. For the kingdom of God is for such as this. What is he saying to us? He's saying, it's so much closer than you realize. I made it so much available that you don't have to put a lot of work to get it. In fact, sometimes you have to do no work. Be still. And know that I am God. Amen. When my heart is overwhelmed, yes. Lord, just lead me to the rock yes. that is higher than I. Don't talk your yoke upon you. Take my yoke, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Prayer, song, worship. It doesn't take a lot. It's a heart for God. How do I keep that joy? I was looking at the psalmist, and I, 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 at least I drew at least five different lessons here from that psalm in my, in my old-fashioned notebook. The first thing that I observed from the psalm to keep that joy alive in every season is that it is his opening statement. He says, As a deer longs for the streams of water, so my soul longs for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? I love, I love, I love another translation as the, as the deer parted for the water brooks. So my soul longs after you. The first thing that I identified here, and I can see it so clearly in my own life at different times where maybe I've experienced dryness in my spiritual walk, is you have to keep that desire alive. Keep the fire burning. 
You might not have a pile of wood. You might not have extra ignition power, but keep that flame alive, that desire. The desire, you control it. Sometimes when we go through difficulties, when we fail, when we are disappointed, either with ourselves or just the circumstances of life, it's so easy, the temptation is so great to just give up. Especially when you've tried so hard and not seen any results. And then you lose the fire. And God doesn't need you to have a mighty bush burning. You just need to keep that desire. I'm not feeling it right now. I'm not, I don't even know what tomorrow is going to be like. I have no idea what's going on with my life. But God, I desire your presence. I want to be filled. Make that be a prayer. It says that those who hunger and thirst shall be filled. The Bible says, the blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they shall be filled. Keep the hunger. If you're losing the spark, keep contending. Contend for the hunger. Lord, I want you. I want to see you move in my life. We were singing that song, and I thought it was so good. I, I see you move. You move the mountains. I, I, and I believe, Lord, that I will see you do it again. I believe that you will do it again in my life. I know that you touched me on that day. I know that my life was going on this direction, and you touched me that day, and you changed the cause of my life. You changed the direction of my life. I didn't do it. It wasn't on my own doing. You found me where I was, and God, you picked me out of the miry clay, and you set me on the right course. I don't feel good right now now, but I believe that the God who saved me is able to sustain me and that he will do it again in my life. When I, we were in Kenya for, for, for a, a month as a family, and you know, what, what, it was it's actually an interesting feeling for me because I, I was just, we were just talking about how I, I grew up in Kenya. But I've lived about half my life in Kenya and half my life in the United States. My childhood was in Kenya, my adult life. I, you know, I thought I was a really grown adult. I know everything. I've got it figured out. And when I, when I look back now, I'm thinking, man, I was a kid when I moved here. <laughs> and I'm reminded over and over again when I go to UNL to do something at the campus. I remember looking and saying, hey. When did they start going to college at 12? <laughs> and you realize that they've always been the same, that you're changing. But then I thought, you know, I am so excited to go. In fact, I told my wife yesterday, like, I already miss my family. I just saw him last week. I already miss him. Like, you know, I was like, but I also was ready to be in Lincoln. But start to live. It's a weird feeling when you're, and, and I somehow understood Jesus a little bit when he is fully God and fully man. I, just feel like, I feel like I'm fully Kenyan. I also feel like I'm fully American. And it's like, God, oh, well, you don't speak like one. Yeah. They tell me that in Kenya too. You don't speak like a local completely, you've changed the way you enunciate things and pronounce certain things. 
<laughs> Great, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. But the experience always, what I, what I remember, sometimes I look in and I just reflect on the journey that the Lord and the road that the Lord has taken me from a young man who had not had a lot of hope. Growing up in an environment where you're thinking, what, what is my life going to be like? And God would touch me at 16 years old and I will meet him and he would change my life. And I would follow him wholeheartedly. I would learn, I would spend time in the word of God. Just out of that desire to know him. And I'm discovering all these things that nobody ever taught me. And I went to church as a little kid. But evidently I missed a whole lot. And I found out there's so much of God for me to know. At that time, I'm not thinking I'm only 16 years old. I'm just thinking, God, thank you for saving my life. I wish I had known this when I was two years old. I would have followed you then. And through the process of time, you look and I start thinking, what could my life be, would have been if it hadn't been for the goodness of the Lord, if it hadn't been for his grace, if it hadn't been for his favor, if it hadn't been for his faithfulness. And I know you can say the same thing. Where would I be if it had not been for your goodness, Lord? Some of you would not even be here today. You'd have been dead a long time ago. Maybe you'd be addicted in drugs. Maybe you would, because you can see your friends that you used to hang around with. But God. But God. So when you're down, you remind yourself and keep that desire burning in your heart. Don't lose it. One thing I loved about this psalmist is that even though he might have been dealing with something difficult, he is forcing himself or positioning his hard attitude for victory. He's not saying, I'm done. He says, I'm really discouraged. But yet I will praise him. I feel like God has forgotten me. He doesn't even know my name anymore. But yet, yes. I will still sing praises to him. In other words, he's not denying the diagnosis, mm -hmm. but he's defying the verdict. Yes, yes. He's not burying his head in the sand and not ignoring the reality. He sees the reality very soberly, but yet he still determines that God is the one who writes the last chapter. That this situation that I find myself in it does not define my future. God determines my future because the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. What keeps you the third point here is that you have to firmly stand on the truth of God's love. 
That is the truth. You are loved by God. You are loved by God. I was waiting for more amens than that. You are loved by God. The Bible says that he has loved us with an everlasting love to the point that he's drawn us to himself. The very fact you desire even to be in his house today affirms that truth that you know inside inherently that God loves you. And he had that truth resident in his heart even when he couldn't see the end from the beginning. He comforted and he said with this strong theological truth deep inside of his spirit that I know that my God loves me. Verse 8. If I could find my verse. Verse 8. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And at night his songs shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. He is reaffirming and he is remembering that God is good all the time. God is consistently good all the time. God is good. I may not understand him. His ways are so difficult for me to understand. There are sometimes he makes it clear. There are sometimes I will never find out. But I am confident in his love. We get ourselves in trouble sometimes when we try to become advocates for God in some situations. Because there are some things in this life that we might never be able to explain in this life. He says, as far as the heaven is above the earth, so are his ways above our ways. Because there are sometimes like you're trying to figure it all out. And the more you try to figure it all out, the more frustrated you get. Yeah. Or someone else is in that situation, and you're being the smarty that tries to solve all the problems. And instead of helping and encouraging that individual, you're making them more discouraged and more upset. Well, just praying and being firm in that firm trust and believe that God is good all the time. He means to do me good. He plans for his life, uh, of my, his plans for my life are good. He says that I know the plans that I have concerning you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and to give you a hope. I don't understand this situation. I don't even pretend I know the answer. But I do know this, that God is good, and on that truth I stand. Yeah. He says, in the daytime when I feel, and I feel like they're mocking, why haven't you found anybody in your life if your God is so good? Why are you so broke if your God is so good? Why do you, you can tell they're thinking all those things. He says, I don't even pretend to understand. But I am keeping that. I know that he will sustain me with his loving kindness in the day. In that verse 8 too, he points another one that I see that's really good is that he maintains praise, a praise attitude in his circumstance. He maintains a praise attitude in his circumstance. 
I was, um, when we were in Kenya, maybe you'll get a lot of this for a while, because <laughs> it just popped up. Uh, we, we, we went on a, on a safari a couple of weeks um, into our visit, and so we took the kids to have this experience. And I had this driver guy that, he was the one giving us the tour and driving us up to the, to the national park. And so I'm trying to engage him a little bit in conversation. And, um, and we're talking about kids. Obviously, he notices that I have a lot of kids. And so, <laughs> and so we start talking. And I said, do you have kids? And uh, he says, yeah. And so he told me he had, like, I forget, like a seven-year-old. No, it was like, I know the age gap between the oldest and the second was seven years. So I said, I said jokingly, he's like, oh boy, you waited a long time for that second one. And uh, he, he wasn't smiling or playing along. So I knew there was something deeper. You know, I, so I pulled back really quickly. And I said, there's got to be a story there, I hope. And, uh, and he shakes his head, says, yeah. And so this is going to be a four-hour drive. And that's how I started it. I was like, boy, we're confined in that state. I mean, like right next to him in the van. <laughs> do I change this or do I go on? <laughs> but I, I let him lead. And as we would find out that that there was a story. And he had twins in between. And, um, and he wasn't. And thought, oh, he lost them. But the story was worse than just losing your kids. Nothing's worse than losing your kids. But sometimes, how? And so he would tell me that he, he lived in this small town two hours north of Nairobi. And there was during the time of the height of child trafficking. And um, his wife was at home, and they have a little shop in their neighborhood. Babies were sleeping, just, she ran to the shop to grab something, came back, and the kids were not there. They had been kidnapped. And it became a big deal. And the police were on the hunt and everything, and two days later they found them not alive. I'm like, okay, stop the car right now. I just, I, I didn't tell them stop the car, I just said, they said, man, I am so sorry. And uh, I... And what do you tell a man like that? And you are thinking, God, I pray for him, you know? And he has to pick up his life and continue on. Oh boy, that's not good when Apple, when everything is connected. It's supposed to be good technology and that embarrasses a pastor. I don't know. And, and it's robocalls too. God, Jesus. <laughs> so, <laughs> like I said, there sometimes we don't have answers. But we have to encourage our souls in the truth of the gospel. The most fundamental, the most basic, but it's a biggest thing we can anchor in our soul is how much he loves us. So God, I know you love me. 
I don't know, I don't even expect an answer because it might be too profound for my understanding at this time. But I keep hope that one day we shall see again and I'll get the answer and I will still be able to say, God is good. And sometimes you leave it there. Just leave it there. And keep that in your heart. Keep that firm belief about his goodness. That he knows the end from the beginning. He does not, he's not living in the same dimension. And there is evil in the world. I'm not making excuses for that. But even in evil, God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love the Lord. What was intended for your destruction, God can turn it around for your good. And in certain situations, you don't even get to see until we get to the other side. And that's why we keep hope for the other side. It says even as believers, we do mourn when we lose people we love. But it says we don't mourn as those who do not have hope. We cry, we are discouraged, but we still keep hope. He says, yet I keep my hope in the Lord. So even in your circumstance, you keep praising just like Paul and Silas get themselves bound in prison and they don't think, what am I going to do here? They decide they're going to praise. One last story from Kenya and then I'll give you the last one we go home. So, you know how you, you're like, you realize, you, 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 you forget that, well, one, we, you drive on the other side of the road. I grew up like that, but when you get to the other side of the road and you start driving, you're like, okay, am I in the wrong lane? Am I in the right lane? Am I in the right lane? <laughs> Your mind plays games with you. Yeah. And I, I also remember, okay, the driver is always in the mirror. Yeah. And then you want your wipers to turn your lights on. You want your lights to turn your wipers on, yeah? Great. So... <clears throat> And, and so, and my, my, my nephew was teasing me. He's like, how many times you go to the car and you go to the wrong side? <laughs> and he was just laughing. And so we started counting and we got to 14 times every time I went around with him. <laughs> I was like, oops, uh, uh, this side. <clears throat> but I'm driving, I'm, I'm, I'm taking my uh, four boys. I'm just telling him, you know, you're going to get the best haircut in Kenya for the cheapest. You know, when I moved to Lincoln, I always just said, let me just a little thing of a black man in Lincoln back in the day when there were just a handful of them, Terry Jones and a couple other guys. <laughs> I'm thinking, I need a good haircut. And for me, it's a good haircut is like every week I need a good haircut. And I go and I get the good haircut and tell me 20 bucks. I'm like, are you kidding me? 20 bucks, for, you know, I learned how to do it myself after that. After a while, but I'm taking my boss and say, "This is you're gonna have the best treatment in the world for five bucks. They'll do everything." And so we're in the car, just driving. My mom calls, "What are you doing?" <laughs> so I pick up the phone. She wants to know where every move that we're making, and and I pick up the phone, not thinking that it's against the law to pick up the phone in Kenya. And I look at this lady, police woman, and I'm thinking, "Oh boy." Houston, we've got a problem. I says, I'll call you back, mom. It's a little bit, okay. She pulls me over. And right, real quick, I call my wife and says, 
this is going to be a long night. You can tell just the, the, by their face they're going to give you trouble. <coughs> and I look back at the boys and say, hey guys, I think this is going to be a long night. Because the police, many times, many of them are known to be very corrupt. They want to, you to bribe them or plant other things. And I'm thinking, for one, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to long And I'll just make that long story short. I told guys, hey, if it's a long night, if we end up being locked up for a while, because I'm not going to give him a bribe, uh, we're going to just go in there and just praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah, pray. I said, we'll be like, just Paul and Silas, we'll sing all night. And I told my wife, I just on the phone, I said, hey, real quick, I, I know this is going to be a long haul, and uh, if we don't come home, we're in jail, but it's going to be okay. <laughs> And we just, and I prepared them, say, like, okay, guys, <laughs> I know this might be long, but, you know, but we was just in our hearts, we condition and position ourselves. We're going to praise in the middle of this all. I say, ma'am, I, I, I know if it's a violation, I, it's been a long time. And when I left, it wasn't a rule. And so, because she could see my driver's license, she knew that it was, I, I lost my Kenyan driver's license, I don't even know when. But... By the grace of God, about 30 minutes later, we didn't pay a bribe, we were freed, and she was annoyed. Because I, 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 I outlasted her, I was ready to be patient, and she was losing business out on the other side for this guy. So he goes, hey, you, uh, just, if it wasn't for your kids in there, I would have, just go. I'm like, God bless you, thank you very much, and I'm out of here. But I, I remember in my mind, I just purposed. I knew this might be long, but we purposed no matter what. Because what happens if we end up in jail? Maybe God is taking us there just so some people can get saved. And that would be a worthy cause. And so I'd accepted that in my heart. And I was inspired by Paul and Silas in the Bible. I'm going to do that. Because sometimes Satan gets you. But says, I know, I don't get it, I, I don't have the answers, but I'm going to just praise God anyway. I'm going to praise God in my car, I'm going to turn that fire on, I'm going to sing like no one is watching me, I'm going to be in my basement, I'm going to sing when I'm washing the dishes, I'm going to worship God. When I'm at work at my desk, I'm going to just sing your praises all day long. Because praise keeps the fire in. Praise attracts his presence. Praise takes you out of your circumstance. Praise elevates God. And when Jesus is lifted up, he says that he, we are drawn closer to him. Last but not least is that you need to pray without giving up. And I, you don't have all the answers all the time, but don't give up. He says that I, the one verse says that I encourage all men to pray and not to give up. Pray without ceasing is about just, you know, I keep on praying. Even if it's not the same thing, even if I brought it up before, I just keep on praying. And, and I'm not giving up hope. I know that at the, just the right time, yeah. God will show up. God will show up and he'll do his work. Uh, David says, this is a psalm of David once. He says, I would have given up. I would have lost heart. I would have, I think it's one, same, Psalm 127. I would have given up unless I had believed. 
that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So I don't get it, but I'll keep praying. And in my heart, I still believe that I will see your goodness, oh God, in my land. In Jesus' name. Amen. Did you receive anything from God? Amen. Stand up. Let's pray.